0: This is the Humans of Gaming podcast, an open and honest conversation about games, life, and belief.
1: Hey, Drew Dixon here, Chief Content Nerd at Love Thy Nerd. Thanks so much for listening to Humans Gaming. This week you're going to hear something a bit different. Uh, It's just me. Chris is not with me on this episode. But what you're going to hear is me walking around Penny Arcade Expo Unplugged, PAX Unplugged in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. In fact, it's the second ever PAX Unplugged. And uh, PAX Unplugged is a new big board gaming convention. And uh, a lot of great new games are there. Um, Some of the best board game designers in the world uh, will show up to this show. And uh, and I just thought it would be fun to go and chat with them and hear what they're about and what their games are about and, uh, and what they hope people get out of their games and also, you know, why they make games and why they think board games matter. So I hope this podcast, in some sense, makes a case for why board games are important, why they're worth spending our time, uh, money, and attention on. So uh, that's what this is about. Um, really hope you dig it. This is part one of at least... A two-part series. We may do three parts. Uh, We had some trouble with some of our audio, so um, this is just there's just five uh, interviews in this one, uh, and we'll release more interviews in the next episode. So uh, you're gonna hear from Jonathan Gilmore, who designed one of my favorite games that I played at PAX Unplugged, Uh, Dinosaur Island, a great worker placement game that's kind of Jurassic Park themed almost. Although of course they don't they don't come out right and say that, but it's. It's about building your own dinosaur park, and it's a blast. Uh, You're going to hear from James Ernest with Cheap Ass Games and The Island of Dr. Lucky, uh, really fun chat with him. you hear from Liz Roche, uh, who is from Gather Round Games. They made a great storytelling game. Probably the most I laughed at PAX was playing Someone Has Died, a new game from Gather Round Games. It's a really fun storytelling game. you hear from Chris Petarlas of Everything Epic, uh, they did the big Trouble in Little China game and a bunch of others that they're publishing, uh, and then you also hear from Matt Fantastic, who is part of a uh, collective uh, called Killjoy, where they're just producing some really kind of interesting, cutting-edge games and a lot of games with so- a lot of games with social messages that uh, that I think you'll find interesting. So that's this episode. Uh, really hope you dig it. Uh, be sure to turn- tune in next week for part two.
2: Ernest, right? James Ernest from Cheapass Games. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I live in Seattle. Cool. And uh, how long have you been making games? I got into the game industry in 1993, uh, back when Magic: The Gathering was brand new.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, tell me a little bit about Cheapass Games. You're just telling us a little bit, but yeah.
2: Cheap Ass Games started in '96, and my my goal was to get a lot of games printed, a lot of games published really quickly. I had a whole bunch of designs. I knew I couldn't sell to anybody else, and so. We came up with a cheap-ass games concept, which which was stuff I could do on a laser printer, stuff that didn't have yeah. spare parts like pawns and dice. It just had the bare minimum components for a game. Kill Dr. Lucky was our very first one. It had a board that you had to tape together yourself and cards um, uh, and the rule sheet, but you also had everyone provide pawns for yeah. themselves. And it was, a, it was a nice starting point for our company, yes.
1: Yeah, that's cool. And so you've got a new game that we just played, we just demoed, called uh, The Island of Dr. Lucky. Tell me about that.
2: In the island of Dr. Lucky, uh, you're on his mysterious tropical island. Everyone's still trying to kill Dr. Lucky, of course, because everyone hates him for their own nefarious pretty reasons. Awful. He's He seems to be a pretty awful person. I think all the murderers are delusional. I think he's a great guy, and I think everyone who wants to kill him is just, he's just misunderstood. <laughs> They're all just crazy people okay. who want to kill him. If you read the cards, there's no way he did all of that. <laughs> <laughs> but on the island, um, there's hazards that are new where, where the island is trying to kill you. Basically, this yeah. is cards that players can throw at each other. And in fact, under the uh, sort of the the difficult rules, if if I throw a hazard at you and you can't defend yourself, I actually can knock you out of the game.
3: Yeah. And
2: that's something that players have been asking for for a long time. They want a way to attack each other as yeah. well as Doctor Lucky. Um, there's also a black panther named Ragu, who is Doctor Lucky's pet, who goes around the island and um, he works. She works the same as the cat in Kill Doctor Lucky, but instead of being uh, people can't see out of the room yeah. where she is. Instead of being attracted because she's an adorable little cat, and she's she's distracting because she's a giant black panther. Like right. that's where all your attention goes. <laughs> Just you can't see out of the room because yeah. you're making sure you don't get killed by the cat. Yeah,
1: yeah. And uh, the art style is really unique in this game. It's, it's it's got a really like classic vibe to it. Where did that come from?
2: So I I think it's partially because I started my game company using a lot of free art. Yeah. All the, the sort of Victorian clip art that started Dr. Lucky and a lot of the other games gave me a real love for that style. And so I still tend to do games that are, s- s- they, they look like they're 100 years old. I wanted this game to look like it could have been on a shelf in a game store 100 years ago. Yeah. Um, there's, there's sort of, this particular one has sort of a 30s, 40s right. uh, vibe. You know, yeah. the, the sort of classic island adventure uh-huh. uh, era. Yeah.
1: And So you're telling me that uh, Dr. Lucky is based on a real person that you know. Is this a guy that's, like, misunderstood as well? No,
2: so it's sort of backwards. Um, So the idea for the name Kill Dr. Lucky came for me first. Uh, I had written a mystery story, you know, recently about a bunch of people who get together and want to kill the old guy, and he's not dead yet, and they all have a motive. And so the name Kill Dr. Lucky was the very first part of this game. And then we did it with clip art originally. When I did the new edition of this game uh, a few years ago, we were shooting a video for a Kickstarter, and mm-hmm. we were casting about, trying to figure out who could play Dr. Lucky. And my friend B.J. Becker was just the perfect choice. So, yeah. so he's our model for all the sort of modern versions of so Kill more Dr. Of Lucky. So just
1: his, his, the way he looks was more... He's a
2: very dapper dresser. He dresses yeah. like Dr. Lucky all the time. He just yeah. he has he has a very period look, and uh, and he's a fantastic actor. If you see our videos, yeah. uh, with Kill with Dr. Lucky in them, he's just he plays the part very well. Nice,
1: nice, very cool. And uh, if you had to narrow down to one thing that you hope players gain from their time playing your games, what would it be?
2: I, I grew up playing games with my family, and I like games where you're, you're there to have fun. So I don't want to spend a lot of time with my head down. I don't want to spend a lot of time with my nose in the rule book. I want to have fun bantering with my friends and yeah. really like engaging in the game. Yeah. So the games I write are really simple. Once you understand the rules, you can just play them. You have lots of time for chit-chat, and there's lots of role-playing to do. It's all optional. You don't have to be a role player to enjoy Kill Dr. Lucky, but if you yeah. understand that your character wants to, actually the character, one of us had the, had the character who's not even here to kill Dr. Lucky, he just wants to kill the cat, but Dr. Yeah. Lucky's in his way. You know, Everyone's <laughs> got a little story that they can tell yeah. and add to as the game goes on. Yeah. That's, those are the kind of games I like to play. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, another question I like
1: to ask game designers is, why should people play games? Why should people get out, get, get around the table and play games?
2: so it's it's a good way to get to know people it's very social obviously it's much more social than anything else we do it engages your brain it teaches you to think critically um, but it also just teaches you to have fun i i was working for a while with educators and they would say we don't want to have games in the classroom because our our kids are all poor losers and i said well you need to have games because yeah. that's one of the things you learn how to do it's like saying i don't yeah. want books in the classroom because my kids are bad readers like right you need to put games in front of people so that they know how to lose, so they understand that that's not really what it's about. It's about participating and having fun and doing whatever learning you can do while you're playing the game.
1: Yeah, that's a really good word because, I mean, I have kids, and I hear that a lot with parents that I talk to. They're like, well, they get really upset when we play that. and It's like, well, no, you need to learn. Right, learn to we'll... not do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Learning to lose well is a really important like life skill. <laughs> so.
2: yeah, and I think learning not to care so much. I think yeah. a lot is, is placed on winning. In it. And we we publish, everyone publishes a lot of games where there is exactly one winner and a bunch of losers. Yeah. That's kind of how gamers like to think. Yeah. But I prefer, and, I, and believe me, that's my favorite kind of game too, but I also like games where I can have little victories along the way, you know. even when you manage to get Dr. Lucky in the right spot with yeah. the right weapon and, and make that colossal murder attempt, even if you don't really win the game, that's still a little victory and you can enjoy having done that. Yeah, yeah. And
1: I have uh, ran into some, we were just demoing a game in the first play area and this guy that we were demoing with, uh, I guess I have met you at some point or something, and he told me to ask you about this game. If you don't want this on the podcast, I won't. I won't put sure. it on there. So, but but I was curious if you could tell me about. He told me to ask you about Trump Forty Five.
2: Oh, yes. So this is just a joke at the moment. Um, uh-huh. I, I've been working on trick taking games. I've been doing a really deep dive on trick taking games in the last yeah. couple years. And sort of a side product of that, it's not a real game yet. It's just an idea. But it's called yeah. Trump 45 because it's a it's a trick-taking game with a 45-card deck. You just take some cards out randomly.
4: Yeah. Um,
2: and you play with a three-card hand to make your hands look huge. And, like, there's just a whole bunch of <laughs> yeah. jokes in this game about, okay. about our 45th president that, that, that are... You know, like, I think every suit is Trump, you know, but one of the suits yeah. is even more Trump. It's just... <laughs> Uh, uh, it, yeah. it, because all I can do is spill off a bunch of jokes about it because it isn't really a game yet. Right. But yeah, that's that's uh, well, that's what he's day, talking maybe. about. One day, maybe.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, that's cool. Well, great. Uh,
1: last question: Why do you make games? What drives you to do this?
2: Um, I think what we talked about earlier, but the, the the goal of playing with my friends and family, of, of having a, an engaging thing to do, uh, um, a social structure that's sort of more fun than just standing around and, and drinking. Yeah. Uh, that's that's why i make games i grew up playing games and i think my, some of my best memories of of family and, and holidays is, is playing games around that table yeah definitely well, it was great i love checking
1: out uh, island of dr lucky and uh is it available yet
2: absolutely yeah yeah okay.
1: okay and people can where's the best place for people to find it
2: uh their favorite local game store first and foremost uh if you can't find it there our website is cheapass.com
1: Right. awesome well, thanks so much Where are you from?
5: Uh, I'm from Northwest Ohio.
1: Okay, great. And uh, so tell me a little bit about Dinosaur Island. What makes it unique?
5: So Dinosaur Island is a medium-weight worker placement game where you're building a dinosaur theme park. Um, I think there's a lot of things that make it unique. One is the uh, smaller micro phases, and each one's kind of its own different worker placement game. Um, so it makes it very easy to learn, and it flows really well. Yeah, I'm I'm really proud of the fact that there's no player aids in the game to teach you how to play because you can just follow the boards around and know what to do. Yeah. Um I also think the theme and the the art style is so fantastic. Um we had Quan Chai do the art and he's one of the best in the industry in my opinion. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I love the art and um I love the idea of kind of making your own dinosaur theme park. I think that's something that people relate to. Yeah. Were you were you like a fan, I assume, of like you know, the Jurassic Park and that kind of stuff. Was that an inspiration? I, I'm sure it was.
5: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I read Jurassic Park, the book, and watched the movie as a teenager. And I've watched most of the movies. Um, and Brian and I just really wanted to try to bring that experience to life the best way we could.
1: Yeah. yeah. And if you had to narrow it down to one thing, what do you hope players get gain from their experience playing Dinosaur Island?
5: Um, I mean, I hope the one thing they gain is a lot of fun. Um, that's always my goal with every game. Is that I think the uh, you know the thing that people really enjoy is kind of um, you know collecting the DNA. I think that the dice mechanic is pretty uh, refreshing, and you know just the fun of like attracting visitors to your park, yeah. and you know sometimes they get eaten, and that happens.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a big mechanic is like keeping people. Well, not keeping people from getting eaten, because eaten, that's going to happen, but yeah. try to keep as few people as getting eaten as possible. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And um, another question I like to ask designers, um, you know, a lot of people, like there's some people who listen to our podcast occasionally that don't get games. They're not into them. What, why, why should people play board games?
5: I mean, I think people should play board games just because it's, you know, mentally stimulating and it's really good social interaction. That's why I kind of started leaning Towards them more with my wife than uh, you know watching TV and movies.
1: Yeah, cool.
5: And last question i like to ask designers: Why do you make games? What drives you to do this? Um, I make games because I've always been a creative person. I really wanted to. I was in a very creative stifling job, um, and I loved playing board games. So I wanted to try to create them. So, yeah. I mean, I want to. My goal is to always make games that I want to play a hundred times. So, yeah, it's yeah. great. And uh, Dinosaur Island is.
1: The, has been, has been kickstarted. i've yep. i've heard you can't really find it anywhere right now but eventually you will what could be co- another wave
5: of hitting retail any day now
1: okay great awesome well we'll be looking forward to that in all stores pretty much all the 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 standards
5: yep uh your family little game store or online through the through our web store whatever you like
1: okay great awesome well uh thanks so much yeah okay, i appreciate it yeah
3: Where are you from? I'm from New York.
1: And what's your last name?
3: Roach. Okay. How do you spell that? R-O-C-H-E.
1: Cool. I just want to make sure. Uh, And uh,
3: you are one of the designers of Someone Has Died. Yes.
1: And uh, so tell me a little bit about Someone Has Died. What makes it unique?
3: Someone Has Died is a storytelling game that's set at a will arbitration where uh, someone's died and left behind a fortune. And everyone is trying to convince an estate keeper that they deserve the fortune more than everyone else. So it's a improv-based storytelling game with a, a lot of role-playing and character building
1: yeah and there's some unique things like you get a role and and there's elements of your backstory they get at the beginning but as you're telling your story uh people can give you objection cards right yes. yep. that sort of change can change your story or force you to change gears mm-hmm. or, or tell a di- or, or tweak your story tell me about how that works
3: yeah, the objection cards, uh, so the estate keeper gets to hold on to them and give them out as rewards during the game for good storytelling. So if someone says something that really stands out to the estate keeper, the, they can award that player an objection card, and that player can hold on to it and at any point during the game play it on someone else. And whatever is on the card is automatically true about whoever it's played on. So it's a really fun way of throwing a wrench in other players' stories uh, and gives players a lot of... Uh, a lot of wiggle room about what they want to do and has um really makes people think on the spot because it'll make their story change in an instant
1: yeah yeah we played it with our group last night and i was this douchebag wall street guy and so i had this whole persona going this accent and i was really dialed into that character and then someone played an objection card and said i had to talk like i had peanut butter in my mouth and it totally like messed up my game uh, but it was hilarious yeah. and a lot of fun so what do you hope players get from their time uh, playing someone' who's Died*? like if you had to narrow it down to one thing that you hope players gain from their experience what would it be
3: We want people to tell really silly fun stories uh, that's really the ultimate goal and that as we were designing the game we wanted it to be we wanted to incentivize storytelling as much as possible and that's why with the objection cards are one of my favorite parts because they really incentivize people to get really wacky with their stories uh, because we have so many people who come up to us after playing, a year or more ago, saying, "I remember when I played with you. I was the poor little orphan who had uh, who had bad dandruff, and I needed the like the dermatologist to help me out." So the fact that these stories stick with people is really yeah. great for us. Yeah. Uh, and just to get people more into like storytelling, and maybe this will get people in- more into role playing games. So if someone is too intimidated to sit down and try a role playing game like D and D or Fate or some of the other ones like that this could be a good bridge for them.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's great. And, uh, you know, why why should people... I I like to talk to designers about this. Why should people play board games? Why why do board games matter? Why do tabletop games matter?
3: I've always enjoyed board games because of the interactiveness. Like, I've always enjoyed being able to sit down with friends and have something to do and have something... uh, have a way to interact with friends and I find that as I'm getting older the the games I like more are the ones that really engage us rather than ones where uh, that are more passive Uh, and I think some get those really speaks to some people but for me it's always been about uh, having a shared experience with the people at the table and I think that's always been a really wonderful thing for me yeah
1: great and last question I like to ask designers is why do you make games what drives you to do this
3: I stumbled into it by accident oh yeah yeah how did that happen my, so my design partner started making this game for a class in our last semester of college uh, when we graduated she started bringing it to game events around New York City uh, I started out just helping out because she needed extra hands um, and it was really cool and I got jealous uh, so I, I joined the team officially and it's been a really wonderful accident because yeah. it's a lovely community. I've learned a lot about games and game design kind of accidentally just by coming to events and meeting other game designers and playtesting games and uh, yeah. yeah, it's really lovely and now I just want to keep doing it.
1: Yeah, that's great. And uh, so, uh, what is, is the game out yet?
3: It is. It was officially released in September.
1: Okay, cool, great. And where's what's the best way, place for people to find it?
3: Uh, they can go to someonehasdiedgame.com to purchase it online. Uh, we also list on our website the local stores that you can find it at. So you okay. could always go to your local game store and pick it up if they have it. Cool,
1: great. Well, thanks so much. It's been great, yeah.
0: hey gang this is chris the chief executive nerd with love thy nerd and co-host of the humans of gaming podcast i'm in your ear holes right now to tell you about a raffle that we're doing with ltn now this ain't your granny's church raffle well maybe it is i don't really know your grandmother but anyway we've got our hands on three pretty rad items for your holiday season so we're talking dice throne season two battle chest We've got My Little Scythe, and we also got our grubby little mitts on a PS1 classic. Now, all you have to do is buy tickets. Each entry is $10, and you can buy as many as you want. Now, obviously, each entry increases your chances of winning because of math and science and whatever. So head to lovethynerd.com raffle and get your tickets. Now, we're running this thing through the end of the year, so you got plenty of time. Also, bonus, if you are one of our monthly financial supporters, we're straight up giving away a PS1 classic to someone randomly. doesn't matter if you give a dollar a month or a million a month, everyone's got the same chance to win it. Now, LTN is a non-profit organization, so all the money raised for this raffle will help us continue creating great content like this podcast and find more ways to love and serve our nerdy neighbors. Thanks for listening, and go get some tickets.
6: And Chris, what's your last name? Batarlis. Okay, how do you spell that? B-A-T-A-R-L-I-S. Okay, cool.
1: What is the origin of that, do you know?
6: It's Greek. My father was born in Greece. Okay, yeah. cool.
1: And what's your role with Everything Epic?
6: I'm the owner, designer, publisher. I pretty much do it all. Yeah. Um, but I also have amazing designers who work with me as well. Cool. And you've designed... Secrets of the Lost Tomb, Big Trouble Little China the Game, Rambo the Board Game, and w- other stuff. Yeah. What, which one are you most proud of? Everything. Yeah. Everything Epic. <laughs> you don't
1: have you don't have a baby that's like that's the one that I've been I Trouble
6: Little China I've been a huge fan of it all my life yeah. of course Secrets of the lost Doom was my first game I ever did in my life so you know yeah. those are those are some special games
1: so are you motivated by some of those like kind of um, like cult classic action movies what
6: yeah yeah it's about nostalgia and growing up with it and loving it as a kid and yeah. loving it as an adult so yeah, yeah you yeah. want to turn it into something that you can reenact and replay. You know, in adulthood.
1: Yeah, I remember loving that movie when I was pretty young. Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, And I always wonder, like, if I went back to it now, if it would still hold up. But I guess you feel like it does, huh?
6: Oh, yeah, it's all in the reflexes. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Nice. Um, So tell me about uh, your studio, about everything epic. Like, what what are you guys about?
6: We're all about making games that gamers want to play. So we don't just put out quick junk that uh, is just to get cash grabbed quick. You know, it's really about making the most thematic most epic possible games that we possibly can make so we do whatever it takes to do that so as you can see by our games like Big Trouble Little China they are ultra thematic they have 90 pages of storybook it's I got a full sandbox experience on the front you know these games they're really there to tell the gamer that we respect them we respect their love for a nostalgia or a genre or a theme and then we're gonna do the biggest and best that we can for it Yeah. yeah that's
1: great that's great. And uh, if you had to narrow it down to one thing that you hope players
6: gain from their experiences playing your games, what would it be? I want gamers to basically go ahead and get away from TV and video games and be with their friends, be with their family, be with people they love, play games together in person, and then tell stories about them. I want my games to make those gamers want to walk away and tell people about it. I want them to leave excited, saying, wow, wow. Ah, oh, I just did all this crazy thing. I was playing as Jack Burton in Big Trouble Little China, and I, I did a flip and I killed all these guys, and then we we followed Pan, and oh, he just got us. And, you know, I want them to be things that you're basically being with other people and telling stories. That's really the yeah. key. It sounds like you hope that players walk away as well with a story to tell. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it should be an experience. Yeah. It's not just playing a game or necessarily trying to see who's going to win but it's about the experience. It's about that whole the whole thing that you're doing that's really makes your time valuable. Yeah, yeah.
1: And you've got a couple new games as well that you told us about a little bit about before, Grindhouse and, uh, and Come Award. Yep. Tell us about those.
6: Yeah, Grindhouse is on Kickstarter right now. It's a really fun, super fast-paced, 20- to 30-minute game where you're invited to this crazy mansion, basically, and if you can survive the night, you have a chance to win $10 million. Ooh. But... You have to go through rooms within the grindhouse, and each room can really hurt you. You can lose limbs, arms, legs, you might even lose your head. And if you do, you'll die and you become a ghost to yeah. haunt the other players. Yeah. Coma Ward, you wake up in a hospital with full amnesia. You don't remember who you are, or why you're there in the hospital is abandoned. And you look around the hospital, and you're trying to figure out what's happening, and eventually a phenomenon will trigger. And when it does, that's when you find out who you truly are and what you're really doing there. so it's a mature survival horror game really for two to six players and has these cool phenomenon sealed boxes that are super thematic they have their own components their own mechanics for their entire scenario so it's a little bit like betrayal house of the hill but it's a little bit more for adults it's it's very uh interesting story-wise it's very thematic okay nice and uh with Comaward, tell us about that one yeah, that was Coma Ward. Oh, that was
1: Coma Ward. Yeah, I'm sorry.
6: Right oh, so Grindhouse, you, yeah, sorry, grindhouse you, you transition. you're limbs, and you're walking through different rooms in this house, and it's super thematic. It's got a narrative to it. Right. So you're reading each room and kind yeah. of going through it and trying to survive. Yeah. And Coma Ward, you wake up in the hospital, and crazy things happen, and you have to okay. try to figure out what's happening, and then a phenomenon will trigger. Yeah. And that's where all the cool phenomenon sealed boxes come gotcha. from.
1: now. Yeah, I blended the two together because they were so scary that they sounded both traumatic and
6: yeah (laughs) yeah they're kind of they're kind of more for adults they're not they're not really for kids do you
1: um because i think like horror is something that a lot like it's a big theme in board games but it's hard to actually like unsettle players you know what i mean like to actually scare them around a table have you guys managed to do that what does that look like
6: yeah so when i first played the original demo of coma ward when i was being pitched it i was sitting in a room that was super loud it was like the worst possible board game experience ever yeah. Um, like place to actually pitch a game right. but the game was so thematic and so cool while I was playing it, I actually could picture in my mind, the movie in my mind of walking through this abandoned hospital, having these weird neuroses having quirks, you yeah. could viscerally feel that everything was weird yeah. and, and suspect and so even though it was the worst like board game environment, the game was epic, so I said I had to make this game yeah. and since then we've developed it made it even better it's got tons and tons of content, and it really is, is for that lover of horror that doesn't just want another zombie game. Right. This is not a game that has zombie apocalypse scenarios. Yeah. This is a game that, that takes cerebral, weird situations, things that you don't see in board games all the time, and, and stuff that might be slightly familiar but also unique and new, yeah. and puts it into a game that's super thematic and easy to play. And it doesn't take forever to play it. It's under two hours, maybe an hour, hour and a half to play the game and get a full experience and just have a good time. Yeah, great. Cool. Well, uh, last question i like to ask game developers and
1: game designers is, why do you make games? What drives you to do this?
6: Well, all my life I've been a gamer uh, ever since I was a kid. I started in Ice Age and Magic and worked my way up to now. So I started all the way back in the Ice Age, you little kids. I started back in the Ice Age, right? (laughs) And so I've always loved telling stories and finding ways to basically take all of what I love and be, be try to find ways to relive that element of games and movies and, and television and all that cool theme that I love. You know, like Indiana Jones and all that stuff. How do you make that into a game where you experience it? Yeah. And really, it's all about telling stories within games. Yeah. I used to be an English teacher, actually, and I, I transitioned after I made my first game into games publishing. Because, again, I love telling stories, and that's what I want our games to do. Become that experience that's that epic.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, anything else new that you guys got coming out of the out of the pipes that you'd want to tell us about?
6: 2019 is going to be a huge year for everything epic. We got Rambo the board game. As I said, that's going to be huge, tremendous. And you worked major. on that one, right? Yep. Okay. I designed that game. I'm a huge fan of Rambo all my life. So I was like, we got to do this, we had the chance, so we did it. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. Lots of mowing down people and things like that in the game. You're definitely taking an M60 and mowing down <laughs> enemies, but you're also hiding in hover and using tactics. It's actually not a dice game. Okay. It cool. is a card-based tactical game. Um, if, if you like tactical-type games, if you like using stealth and interesting mechanics, it's not just about killing enemies. Yeah. It's about being smart and finding good ways of doing things. You know, Green Berets and Super Special Forces, they don't miss if they shoot at their target. Rambo doesn't miss. But he's got to use his actions and do what he has to do in a very smart way in order to truly win. So that's that's going to be a lot of fun. Secrets of the Lost Station is another huge game that's coming out in 2019. It's a successor to our first game, Secrets of the Lost Tomb. And it's a sci-fi game. It has 100 scenarios and 108 miniatures. It's an epic sci-fi saga. It's a narrative experience. It's a ton of fun. It's very cool. It's own unique universe, yeah. and it's 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 epic. Let's just put you're, it that way.
1: You're owning your your moniker.
6: Everything epic. No doubt about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Well, thanks for uh, th- uh, thanks for your time, man. Uh, looking forward to demoing some of these if, as as we have time. You so, got it. Yeah, thanks, man. So, Matt, what's your last name?
4: Uh, fantastic.
1: Cool. And uh, where are you from?
4: Uh, I live in New Haven.
1: Okay, cool. And uh, tell me about uh, tell me about what your role with uh, your studio. I forgot uh, the name. The name of it just left me. I blank. Yeah,
4: so Killjoy is a new uh, sort of collective of a bunch of people that have uh, other day jobs in the game industry, uh, doing various things. Uh, so we can do like kind of passion projects, weirder stuff, yeah. things that are a little more out there. Um, whether it's the theme and art, or has like a explicit social message, or is just exploring. Uh, what we can do with games as kind of an art form. Uh, Can we make games that make you cry? Can we uh, elicit other emotions? Some of it's very pretentious. Some of it's just stupid and fun. Uh, My role specifically is I'm one of the founders and uh, I'm one of the creative directors. So I kind of do a lot of the creative, uh, one of the main people with the vision of what we look like, what the brand is, all that kind of stuff. Yeah,
1: that's great. That's cool. I think that's interesting because you're seeing some of that, like, we, know we have a lot of video game designers on our podcast as well. Uh, in fact, more video game designers on our podcast than board game designers. But I think that's something that you're seeing in the video game space is like games that would try to make you cry, have a listen and emotional response, or, or say something meaningful about a social issue. Um, like I'm thinking like Papers, Please, or That yeah, Dragon yeah. Cancer so, or something.
4: So one of the things actually, so I teach game design um, at the college level oh, uh, cool. And primarily digital, Uh, I work with digital students. I've been at a few different universities and stuff, and uh, I teach theory, right? And so uh, I get to interact with a lot of really interesting uh, video game, digital game stuff, uh, and digital experiences that are exactly like That Dragon Cancer, Papers, Please, Um, things that are exploring different themes, different emotions. Um, I think video games... Have been doing this for a really long time, yeah. um, and tabletop uh, in the RPG space. I think like there's there's incredible stuff going on in that indie yeah. artsy scene, uh, but board card like kind of the more uh, I don't even want to say mainstream, but definitely more of that space. Yeah. Uh, you don't really see a lot of things that are exploring uh, weirder themes yeah. or experiences or kind of trying to go for an aesthetic. You know, you got people like Nate Hayden doing Cave Evil and Mushroom Eaters and whatever. Yeah. Um, so, you definitely have some people doing some really right. cool stuff. Um, but, you know, we're excited to be able to uh, kind of work on this stuff. You know, we got a game about survivor's guilt during the sinking of the Titanic. Uh, we got a game about us being a bunch of alcoholics in recovery, trying to get alcohol out of yeah. our lives, which is sort of a reverse deck builder kind of thing, which is cool. What, what is that game called? Uh, that game's called Last Call. And you all have it here at PAX Unplugged, right? Uh, We have a demo version of Last Call. Um, The two games we have at the show that are releasing for the show is uh, And Then We Died, which is a collaborative storytelling game driven by word fragments on tarot cards that you're piecing together to make a story of how we all died together. Uh, and then we have Stoner Parking Lot, which is sort of a social game where you are trying to secretly signal partners when you have all the right ingredients for the optimal uh, weed smoking experience in your van. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, that's. I think that's really cool to me because there's some new ground. It seems like you're trying to to break in this. Uh, I mean, like you said, there's a few people that are doing it. Like we had um, Michael Fox who's working on oh, holding yeah, on. Michael Fox. Yeah. 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 We've been
4: buds. Him and and Rory uh, have been buds for for a number of years. Um, And there there are other people that... um, So my main day job is as a freelance game designer and developer. Um, And so I had pitched Rory a game years ago. And he was like, I don't think we can do this, but I really like that you are into doing weird stuff like this. Because I'm also into really weird stuff like this. And, you know, uh, holding on is definitely... uh, the timing is, is good because it, it sort of is blazing a trail with people yeah. that uh, know what they're doing. And it's kind of like, oh, OK, like our plan is to do very similar projects. And so when we heard they were doing uh, that, it was it was great because they kind of have shown that there is a market, that people are interested, that you can that, that there's definitely a bunch of people that are into seeing yeah. things kind of push the paradigms of what we usually experience in sort of like board and card gaming.
1: Yeah, that's great. And I don't know if you can speak to this for your for all of you know Killjoy, but I'd be curious from you: Is there one, if you could narrow down to one value that you hope players gain from their time with your games? What would it be?
4: Um, I mean, I think our our well, like our corest value is just kind of like be cool. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We're definitely like a socially driven uh, company more so than a business driven company yeah. uh which is a luxury that we have but um in terms of like the overall like kind of design and directional situation um it's really you know like make interesting art uh yeah. whatever that means you know create create work that is not just uh Practical. doesn't bring anything yeah well yeah. It just it doesn't bring anything you know like yeah. uh we can be doing more interesting stuff with uh, the medium of games, so let's do some things that are more intrinsic to that and, you know, just try to make cool stuff. Yeah, that's great. And uh, another
1: question I like to ask people, especially designers, uh, why should people play board games? Why should people care
4: about board games? Uh, Because the most human thing is to interact with other humans, and uh, games provide an excellent... Uh, icebreaker, uh, focal points um, thing to center around so that you can have a lot of the, the, you know, you can have like the real, realest thing of what being a human is, which is that interaction with people and games are a great vehicle to make that happen. Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah, we're, it's such a like, I don't know, it's such a divided and contentious culture that we live in. We get around the game table, we have to like treat each other as equals, we have to play by the same rules, we have to interact with each other, we learn something about each other. Um, so, yeah, I appreciate uh, yeah, your perspective
4: there. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's great to just have interactions with people like that.
0: Yeah, yeah
4: definitely. And uh, last question, why do you make games? What drives you to do this? Because uh, I can't really not. Uh, I just make a lot of stuff. I play in bands. I do art stuff. I, I just create things, and gaming is my favorite thing, I guess. Yeah. So making games is, is a natural Uh, thing for me to just start doing
1: yeah that's awesome well thanks so much for your time I really enjoyed checking out your games the other day we played uh and then we died that's what it's called right and then we played stoner parking lot and uh uh people don't know this as I'm talking to you but you're you've got a great outfit going on here dressed up as a as a a cool nun I guess how would you describe it
4: uh a sexy nun I suppose (laughs) A
1: sexy nun. Uh,
4: yeah Sunday nun day you know you gotta gotta come in and repent for the other nights of this convention yeah so
1: (laughs) so definitely check out killjoy's games uh i would say some of the most unique games i've seen here at pax uh unplugged and definitely um ones that are are going in some really interesting directions which
4: i really appreciate and i think our listeners will too so thanks man yeah yeah thanks oh the website is uh joyisdead.com okay and it's uh killjoy
1: and that's the best place to find your games. yeah absolutely okay cool
4: And uh, people can follow
1: you guys on Twitter, too, or Uh, anywhere else?
4: No, we're on Instagram. Uh, Instagram. Killjoy is dead.
1: Okay, great. Awesome. Thanks, man. So that's it for this episode of Humans of Gaming. Thanks again for listening. Uh, be sure to check out our other great podcasts, Free Play and the Pull List, our new comic book podcast. Go check out the website, lovethynerd.com. Go follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Search for our Facebook community. It's Just, just search for Love Thy Nerd Community on Facebook, and you'll find it. And request to join, and you can come hang out and talk too and chat with a bunch of other really cool nerds. Um, so... Uh, thanks again for listening to this podcast Uh, we'll be back again next week with some more uh, some more board game designer interviews um, part 2 of our PAX Unplugged series so uh, we'll see you next time thanks